0: A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at penfedorg autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The
1: N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.
2: And welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Steven Joderant. Joining me as always, Jake Petrova and Armand Gafai. This week, we talk about Minnesota United FC and Augustin Rossi, Austin FC, and streaming paywalls in soccer. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Make sure you subscribe and leave us nothing but a five-star review. On today's episode, we welcome Peter Coates of GolassoArgentino.com. We discuss Augustin Rossi and other Argentinians linked with MLS. We also talk about the news we broke regarding Rossi's link with Minnesota and what it all means for MLS. Now, let's get to today's show.
3: <laughs>
2: Fellas, how we doing? Well, I'm not throwing up like last week. Something great. Oh, there you go, Jake. Fantastic. I mean,
4: I, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm alive, uh, you know, we're breathing, so couldn't be better.
2: There we go, January twentieth. Freezing here in Wisconsin. It's like ten degrees Fahrenheit. Not wow,
4: I wish I wish it was ten degrees uh, <laughs> here today. Uh, it's a well, well, I guess it's nine. I guess we're close. Never mind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting it
2: to be like negative I, nine. It feels
4: it feels so much colder. It yeah. feels
2: so much colder. Well, the sun is shining here. But let's get to the story regarding Minnesota United and Augustin Rossi. And this is really intriguing, uh, Jake and Armand, because there are so many different layers to this stuff uh, and this story in particular. I am so confused by just the agent himself and why Rossi is linked with him. But regardless, the players to the story. Now, Augustin Rossi is a 23-year-old uh, goalkeeper that plays for Boca Junior. So obviously one of the biggest clubs in Argentina, and one of the most well-known clubs in world football. He also played the first leg of the Boca River uh, Copa Libertadores final. He was on the bench for the second one. Uh, in 2017-2018, he played in uh, 36 games. He's conceded 28 goals, had 16 clean sheets. Now, Armand, are those good numbers? You're a numbers guy. Those decent numbers there? 36 games? Yeah, I
5: mean, I mean they're pretty solid. I mean, if you get the nod, especially in the first leg of a big continental final. I mean, those are that's pretty good, right? Like
2: those are those are pretty good. Then you have Minnesota United FC. Now, Jake, your team here conceded over the last two seasons 141 goals. So uh goalkeeping is a need. Uh January twelfth, MLS Transfer Alerts tweets out Minnesota United FC will sign Boca Jr.'s goalkeeper Augustin Rossi on an eighteen month loan. Minnesota will be able to purchase Rossi at the end of his loan. He was previously linked with FC Cincinnati. So, story develops there. Pioneer Press, two days later, talks about the interest. Uh, it's about an 18-month loan with an option to uh, buy for $12 million. Now, at, at, at the face of it, you would say there's not that much. Then you have these allegations of domestic abuse violence in which there are text messages from the ex Uh, We're going to ask Peter more about these allegations because it it seems uh, the details seem rather unclear. But the text messages and pictures are damning. Uh, Rossi appears to be the culprit, so you know it's just not a good picture. It's not a good look, And, and we know with the current hashtag Me Too and all the allegations around superstars within you know soccer, but also in the NFL, NBA, and so forth. That this is a real issue. So, Augustin Rossi's agent, Miguel Gonzalez Zelada. Now, Eli Hoffa, SB Nation, puts this together. So, got to give him the credit here. But uh, So, this agent has really interesting dealings. Uh, A Paraguayan article in 2012 details a lawsuit filed against this agent alleging that he took more of his share of the transfer fee. And this is something that's happened in in soccer all around. So that's not necessarily anything new. But in 2013, he received a three-month ban from all soccer-related activities by FIFA. Reason for the punishment is unclear. 2015, FIFA handed uh, an eighth-month ban and approximately a $20,000 fine for violating terms of his previous ban. And that's not where it ends. In twenty eighteen there was an arrest warrant for this agent on fraud. Why Rossi is, you know, has him as his agent, uh, you gotta be questioning his judgment there.
4: What are you talking about? He seems like a real salt of the earth kind of guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a football agent for sure. Now, then you got the supporters group, Jake.
4: Yeah, so the Minnesota United Supporters Group uh, Wonderwall released a statement uh, earlier earlier this week, essentially urging the club to rethink the move—a uh, potential move, I should say—of Augustine Rossi. Their their statement uh, went: "Wonderwall stands for an inclusive, dynamic environment for fans to support Minnesota United FC. We're passionate about our support for the club that we love and the communities in which we operate. Recently, Minnesota United FC has been linked with Augustine Rossi." Who has had domestic violence allegations levied against him by a former partner? We urge Minnesota United FC to reconsider this potential transfer, as this behavior is unacceptable and is not welcome in our community. That is from uh, Wonderwall, the supporters group. That's that's kind of where we stand right now with this whole this whole mess.
2: Well, that's where we stood yesterday, and then today, Jake and Armand we reported that Minnesota United has moved on from Rossi and is indeed looking for a goalkeeper elsewhere. So it kind of breaks off everything. The question, the real question begins is there's a report in Argentina saying MLS stepped in. Did the supporters group have an effect? Minnesota United, we've reached out to them for a a quote, their policy uh, as reported by Jeff Reuter, that Minnesota United will only comment on signed players. So, how much we're going to get out of them on on record will be something that will be interesting to follow because a lot of these clubs like to stay private. A lot of these clubs want to keep all the secrets in. So, uh, but let, let's get to today's guest. Joining us right now is Peter Coach. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Goloso Argentino. He is the owner of golazoargentino.com We actually had him on the show a couple weeks ago talking about Argentina and football. This time we'll talk about some different things, but Peter, how's it
3: going? Very well, thanks, and uh, thanks again for having me back on.
4: Peter, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one of the big talking points here up in Minnesota, that's where I'm based out of, is this potential loan of Boca Juniors goalkeeper, Augustine Rossi to Minnesota United. Now, there's been some domestic violence allegations made against him over the past couple of years. Could you provide a little bit of uh, uh, background information or maybe give us some more details on kind of how these allegations came to be?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think if, it's worth pointing out as well. That he, he, what, I as far as I'm aware, he's never been charged with anything. Um, but certainly the... the what came into the press must have been at least a year ago now, quite a fair while ago. Um, was that an ex-girlfriend posted pictures online um, of of bruising and and sort of the, the obvious effects of a fight and, and had accused Howelstein Rossi as the perpetrator? Um, I, I think he's sort of denied it, um, but it was obviously out there um, and you know, from from the, the news stories on it, it sounded as if the ex-girlfriend had a, a pretty good um, claim. So that's that's more or less all we know for sure, because as I say, I, as far as I'm aware, there wasn't any sort of um, legal sort of proceedings. I don't think Rossi was charged with anything. Um, and then since then, he's kind of gone on, and over the past year, for, for much of the last year, he was Bokers' number one. Um so that's the situation and then obviously since this move's come to light and minnesota's supporters groups have been made aware of the allegation so they've obviously come out with quite a strong stance to say that they don't want someone like that at the club so that's more or less all we know for sure
2: yeah peter i mean here in america there's been a lot evolving around domestic violence sexual assault obviously with the me too movement but just in general with professional athletes and- for a while, it seemed like soccer, football internationally had been quite quiet on the issue. And then you have the Cristiano Ronaldo thing come up. In In light of that, how did Argentina, how did Boca respond to these allegations? And for Rossi going forward, do you think this is going to impact wherever he moves, if it goes into Europe or if he moves to America or another league?
3: Um, I mean, I. W- it's sort of come out of the blue slightly because it's not like a new... It's it's quite an old story here. So it, it kind of almost been blown over. But Bocca didn't seem to make too much um, of a deal of it at the time. I'm assuming they held some internal inquiry into it. But it didn't re- seem to really affect Rossi's position at the club. As I say, he still played a large part in 2018. Um, and obviously... It, right at the tail end of the year he, he actually played in the first leg of the um, Copa Libertadores final um which was well after this this news story so that didn't seem to have affected it Bocca certainly um as part of as they've been negotiating this loan have kind of come out quite publicly and sort of said that he's still considered their goalkeeper for the future and I think um this loan wasn't sort of Boca trying to get rid of him in any way or shipping him out it seemed as if it was just a case of look we, we went out and signed a more experienced number one but we still consider rossi's quite an important part going forward so um the fact that we emerged because of this loan move in argentina was was kind of out of the blue somewhat so I, it's difficult to say whether that will it will now um be a factor in his career moving forward i mean if the move to Minnesota is off. I don't know whether that means moving on where or whether So it's a, it's a difficult situation. And it'll be interesting to see if that is the case, what what I could do with him now.
5: Peter, I, I, I want to uh, talk about Rossi on the field. How good How good is he? uh i mean if boca is saying hey he's our goalkeeper of the future i mean he has to be pretty good right
3: yeah he, he is and i think it, it's a bit unfortunate really because um you know the first leg of the couple Libertadores, doors finally he was one of the people that you know even though he'd been under a huge amount of pressure um leading up to that the injuries that saw him then start the game um he actually ended up being one of Bocca's best players and people were coming out saying he, he was terrific and very unlucky then to be replaced by Andrada in, in for the second leg once he had become fit again because there was obviously that delay for the second leg after all the problems um so he is a he is a good goalkeeper um, and I think the the problem is, to some extent was that at twenty three um, there were still a, a few errors and I, I just think once you' made a couple of errors for a club like Bocca if you're not a real established name then it can be easy then under the spotlight for supporters to slightly get on your back and sort of say okay well we, you know we've got a lot of money we've got great talents all over the pitch why do we have a guy who maybe isn't the best keeper in the league um, and I think that's the situation that it became just a bit difficult for him to, to be num- considered number one but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad goalkeeper as I say he's only 23 which is especially for a goalkeeper is very young Um and has always been considered very highly when he came through um, first with Chacarita Juniors, um, moved to Estudiantes, where again he he was very promising. Loan at Defensive Justicia where he looked great. Um, and, you know, and he sort of looks at him then at you know this is one of the top young goalkeepers in the in the country. So he kind of really earned his move to Boca at that point um, in 2017. So he is a good. Goalkeeper, a good prospect, um, and he, and I think he would have been would be a good signing for an MLS club. Put it that way.
2: What would these moves mean for future Argentinian players? As you see, MLS is expanding; they're going after young, talented players. Obviously, Barco going to Atlanta United, but for the future of the sport in Argentina, is MLS viewed as a next step forward in a player's career? I
3: mean. In all, in honesty, it isn't yet at that point. I think it's seen as a it's seen as a possibility for certain players. I mean, it it varies between certain players. I think the Barca situation was was out was sort of outstanding because that was a player who was playing at one of the, the biggest clubs in Argentina, had just been instrumental in them winning a major trophy, and was expected to go to Europe. So that was a shock. But I think some of the other moves, or someone like Rossi, um, perhaps wouldn't wouldn't be someone who European clubs are clamouring for. So you'd say, okay, well, in that case, um, it's not a bad move. I mean, it's lot, the key anyway with a lot of these young players is how often are they playing? They need to be playing football. So the argument, which I often make online when when people bemoan the fact that it, an Argentinian young player is going to the MLS is that, well, look, you guys all want to see them go and play in Europe, but I'd rather see them go and play in MLS and play every week than go to Europe and sit on the bench or in the reserves somewhere. So I think depending on the player can still be a good option. And, and certainly I think there's, there's other advantages to going to play in the US, which players, again, are sold on in terms of um, getting paid on time. So the admin side of things uh, is, a, is a selling point because in Argentina and in South American football in general, it can be a mess in that regard. Um, so to um, just safety in general, um, so the sort of quality of life and and of course the money I mean getting paid in dollars usually a, a, a good amount of money um, in comparison to a weak peso in Argentina so that there are those other factors that play into players looking at MLS now as as a, as a real option um, and I think in a year or two that we get some examples of players that go to MLS and still end up in Europe after a couple of years then that becomes even more so that people will say oh, hey look it's not even like the end of the road, me admitting defeat by going to MLS is actually quite a valid stepping stone. So I think these this, this increase in young players going to MLS um, really could, could open the doors over the next year or so.
5: I wanted to actually just touch upon Barco, Peter. I mean, the reports that you know, Al Maron isn't selling and Newcastle isn't biting on the offer uh, or on the asking price that Atlanta has and that I think his agent said he had a couple offers from some teams who joined them in the summer. Is, has there been any talks that Atlanta, you know, might look to loan Barco to an Argentinian side uh, to open up room for uh, Pity Martinez to join, the squu- to join the squad and then sell off Almiron in the summer and have Barco rejoin them in the summer? Has there been anything in Argentina about a team potentially approaching Atlanta saying, hey, we'll take Barco on loan?
3: The only move in that sense was a few weeks ago, and as well, far as I'm away, Independiente did did inquire about the possibility of taking Barco back, back um, online. But from what I understand, Atlanta shot that down. So w- whether that's changed in the situation they find themselves in would remain to be seen. I would have thought if Independiente still hadn't signed anyone in that position, then he would still certainly be on their radar Um, But I think the situation in in general is interesting and sort of highlights um, the difficulties with working around the DP situation in MLS. And um, it could be sort of a lesson learned um, in terms of negotiating that, you know, with Piti Martinez coming out straight away after the Libertadores final and and confirming that the deal was done, he was going to Atlanta. Suddenly it made the sale of Almiron a bit more complicated because teams like you mentioned, Newcastle or or whoever else in, in Europe, who were looking for a achieve a cheaper deal would have been thinking okay well it's a slightly different situation now because atlanta have to sell they can't keep um three dps and sign pity martinez so it became a bit of a standoff i think and atlanta were like well hey we're not budging on our price but the other team's saying well but you have to at some point because you're going to lose him so the barco situation may come into it um whether or not you know that's realistic whether they can do that because i don't know if argentinian clubs will be able to pay the same wages that you that you get in the u.s um so it's a difficult one that's going to to work out i mean certainly the signing of martinez is a massive coup for it for atlanta but it, it has created headache i think for them now trying to sort out their dp positions for the coming season
4: peter last question before we let you go i'm going to throw a couple names at you just to kind of uh, some names that have been linked uh, to MLS from Argentina, names like Eric Adoy I-, I see he's been linked to a move to MLS. Now so there hasn't been a team mentioned uh, from the research I've done. Uh, there's also Ignacio Fernandez from River to LA Galaxy possibly. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, What extra information can provide us uh, on on those two names? Uh, should Will we see them playing in MLS come March or April?
3: Uh, well, I mean, I don't have any information to say yes yes or no. I think um, Nacho Fernandes it, it would be someone who I think a lot of MLS clubs would look at. Um, given his profile, he's at an age, I think, where, um, you know, he's, he's at a good age in terms of still with plenty to offer. Um, but maybe at an age where European interest is on the wane, so uh, you know I think that's a profile which is attractive to MLS clubs because you can get someone in that sort of mid mid to late twenties um, that's still of real quality, um, and you know his versatility in midfield and, and passing ability would make him an attractive option for an MLS club, um, and certainly, uh, Guillermo <laughs> Balascolotto knows knows Nacho Fernandez from their time at Gimnasia, so um, you know I think that could be that could be. One which has some legs. Uh, I hadn't been aware of Eric Godoy's, um interest from anyone, but you know he's he's a player that's moved around quite a lot. Um, still young, uh, fairly young, um, and is a good, versatile defender. Um, so again, he's he's someone who I could imagine fitting the profile for a lot of MLS clubs. Um, you know, he can play at full-back, and play centre back. Um, but he's a is a, a good solid option in in Argentina League. So I think. Were, a, were an MS team looking for someone to play in those positions, then Godoy would be a good option. and I don't think it would cost a huge amount either.
2: Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. We just want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and plug uh, where we can find you on the Twitter machine, all the content that you write for and anything else you would like to.
3: Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned before, yeah, Galasso Argentino is the Twitter um, and, and, the, and the site. So if you go to Twitter, you'll see any of the stuff that i'm doing if there's like a podcast up or or anything like that you'll be able to see on twitter um and yeah that's the only place really you need to you see anything i'm doing
2: (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much peter all right no worries all right jake and armand there's so many different ways we can continue with this with this story now Jake, you're obviously a Minnesota United supporter. You're up there in Minnesota. So th- the fact that the fan base has come out and said, we do not want Minnesota United linked uh, with this player, do not bring him whatsoever, you have to give some sort of credence to the fans for sticking up with some sort of principles because if you look at the NFL, uh, I think it was Sports Illustrated talked about how Kareem Hunt is linked with a bunch of clubs now and Kansas City is... Let him go after there's video of him, you know, beating a woman and the allegations of that.
4: Right, right. I mean, and we can't definitively say if the the statement that was put out by the supporters group, if that was the ultimate deciding factor on Minnesota United saying, you know what, we're not gonna, we're not gonna push forward with this, Uh, we're not gonna negotiate with Bocas anymore about for for a loan for Rossi. So. uh, I guess I guess now as a Minnesota United fan, I guess now you hope that they can find somebody who is as good as Rossi to bring in and supplant Bobby Shuttleworth as the number one goalkeeper.
2: What What do you think this this report out of Argentina saying MLS ultimately killed the deal? What do you think this this means? Well, I don't I don't know. Part
4: of me kind of questions if there is something lost in translation there. I just think it's odd that the, that the league would step in and say. No, don't you can't. This player, we you can't sign this player. When you know damn well in three years, they're going to be doing backflips to sign Cristiano Ronaldo.
5: But, I mean the the, I mean, the the league has done it before, right? They've, like, axed TAM and stuff deals for, like, salary-based reasons. So, I'm pretty sure the league just has the autonomy to be like, yo, look, we don't either – we don't feel – my thing is, I don't think it was a league. I honestly don't think they even know this is happening, like, uh, I think – that the that these I guess allegations resurfacing is the right word. Um, I think it came out of left field for the league. Um, and
2: I wait, think wait, Minnesota- wait, 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 wait! We have to be fair. These allegations are not something that has happened in the last six months or year. These is two years ago, it's right? Two or years ago. There's a there's I can provide a link if any listener tweets at us that there's a story about these allegations that says 2017 as the article date. Actually, it was, I think, January 30th, so almost two years to the date. So the, my question is, if Minnesota knew these allegations were there, these are publicized, so either they were ignoring those or they did not do their research and homework on these accusations of the player. So I... Was, he, he he wasn't charged, though, right? According to Peter, no. And um the agent this was reported well, the agent's kind of crooked right well yeah yeah the the agent is a total crook but the agent is going to provide some sort of document to Minnesota a couple days ago this was reported that Rossi does not have a criminal record in Argentina this uh TYC sports of Argentina has obtained what appears to be some sort of document so the agent will represent this to Minnesota United and hoping of restarting talks of of the move now this came uh this it came out a couple days ago by eli hoff of sp nation who has a long blog there continuously updating uh, on the situation now it seems to be according to our source who is very close to the club uh that it seems like minnesota united has officially moved on so uh, i guess the real question is what decision made them move on was the supporters group letter a factor? And ultimately, don't think it's that big of a factor that the fans said anything because the clubs will do what the clubs will do. I mean, look at the NFL. <laughs> look at all the sign- signings they've made throughout history. Some real bad people have played professional football. So, and, and the fans have had mixed feelings about it.
5: I I think Loki Minnesota dodged a bullet in terms of Signing a keeper would probably be ridiculously expensive. Um, in terms of strictly roster moves, I if they need to improve the keeper position. I, I don't think this would be the right way to go about it. Getting a keeper that let's say you purchase him after the end of one one year, he's over the he's over the tam threshold. You can't buy him down with tam, and you're stuck with the DP keeper, but. I think the one, the only DP keeper we've seen in MLS is Tim Howard, and look, we, we <laughs> like 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 I, I think we all know DP keepers aren't really the best way to use the use money. I think there's plenty of talented American keepers uh, out there that just just need you know like a Zach McMath. Like you can acquire a Zach McMath from a squad. I know he just got traded. I forgot where to be honest with you. Um, but if you acquire a guy like a, like a McMath, he doesn't t- cost an international spot, and he won't cost you a DP or a, any target allocation money. I don't know, just just my two sense. I think they dodged uh, a bullet just based on roster construction.
4: Well, I mean, I mean the they they still have time to kind of bleep this up though, because they we did uh, receive information that that they still are looking for a goalkeeper. So I'd have to imagine that means. Dane they're Saint Clair, come on gonna, man. No, nah, he'll be hanging out with uh Steven and Madison this summer. <laughs> uh I I think they're going to go international still to find the feel that uh, I hate it because I
5: think spot. I think even Portland just went international with the goalkeeper and it's like why? Like It's a wasted, it's a wasted the MLS spot. Cup. You went to MLS Cup and it wasn't because your keeper was bad. You didn't lose MLS Cup because your keeper was bad. Like I don't get it. If I was MLS GM, I would do like 100 things different than half these guys.
2: Well, there also, we go. Do you want to
5: hear a funny? You want to hear a funny story about Mount Lagos? Since we're talking about Minnesota United, because I don't know why, but I haven't said this to many people and it's been on my mind.
2: Yeah, well, um, we're talking about Minnesota United.
5: So, do you remember that game where there was a massive rain delay? Actually, I don't know if y'all remember, but I think Jake might. It uh, was a big rain delay in Dallas. They're playing at Dallas. The game started like, at 9 p.m. I, I don't know, do so. you remember it. Yeah. So we were we were sitting there. Uh, in, in the press box, as you know, journalists do just you know writing stuff. And uh, I forgot who it was, but someone made a really errant pass in the middle of the park. And uh, okay, it was a bad pass, Minnesota. United. ten seconds later, you just hear that someone slam a table, and we look. We're like, what, what's going on? Uh, it was, it, um, and on the field, nothing had happened. Like, oh wow, like like something significant happened. Nothing really had happened. Well, we look, and it's coming from a technical director spot at, in Minnesota. The, uh, he did this throughout the whole match. Every like, it would be a bad pass, and then five seconds later, something would just smash, like in in in, in the thing. <laughs> it was just like, why are you delaying yourself five? Minutes? We're watching. You're watching a live game. It's like you're watching a stream, and like, <laughs> it was just it was just so bizarre. And he came out just looking like gas, like. I don't think Minnesota even played that bad, to be honest. Which you it was like, a 2-0 loss? Like, I don't know, this is a funny story about Minnesota United from, like, the one interaction I've had with them. Well, there you
2: go. <laughs> Listeners, follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod, at Armanca5 for the latest FC Dallas. Follow us, UncSamSoccerPod, for news regarding U.S. soccer in general, at Jake Wacharoba, at Steven Jodderand. Uh Yeah, come back tomorrow. We'll be talking about the latest official club. MLS. In fact, the most hated team in MLS and they haven't even played. Austin FC.
5: Welcome to Uncle Sam's American Soccer Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you go back listen to our first segment that we released yesterday. We spoke about the Augustine Rossi domestic violence allegations. Now, on today's episode, me, Steven, and Jake talk with Josh Pabetsky as Austin FC was announced this week as MLS's 27th team. Now, let's get to the show. Joining us now on the show is Josh Pavetsky. He's been the guest of the show a couple of times. Josh, how are you doing over there in Austin? Doing
0: well. Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me back on the program. I think this is my third cap.
2: Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, third, right? Is this the guest we've had on most often now? Uh, we got to start tracking how many repeats we have.
5: Yeah, we have to x out Josh. We gotta find another awesome person.
2: Uh, oh. to, to throw on the, I can, throw on the you, list. I can give you plenty. I was just
0: gonna say how honored <laughs> I was, but now I'm taking that back.
2: It's uh, <laughs> one way to look at it. Don't don't feel too, <laughs> too too honored just yet. But uh, Josh, MLS 27th team introduced to MLS. You were there at the announcement party or event. How was it?
0: Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, for me, it was five years of, uh, you know, hard work and effort, like culminating in like, oh, now it's real. And it's like, for real, for real, for real, because, you know, we've been in months of like, well, we know it's going to happen, but it was always in this like quasi official state. Um, but to actually have the commissioner of MLS up there on stage and, you know, make, say the words, you know, the 2017, um, you know, really was it was, it was such a great feeling and it was such a great night and such a great event.
4: Yeah, Josh, I mean this was I mean it was, it's almost like like you said the 5 year thing it's like you finally you finally crossed the finish line uh of the of this the, the vision of bringing MLS to Austin. Uh I guess one thing one thing I want to know is what was it like sharing that big old bear hug with uh Anthony Precourt and <laughs> you know uh giving high fives to Don Garber. I saw that. He was they and, were doing that. And Mayor that little... Adler,
0: don't forget Mayor Adler.
4: Steve! Yeah, well, yeah, our mayor
0: yeah, Steve! our our mayor is great we have a a very we're fortunate to have a very uh excellent uh mayor and he's very approachable very come you know he's just got a he's great for remembering people like you know you can be like one city hall fish and he like he just kind of remembers people like he's got that ability um so it's great to have them all come rolling down and you know i think for for um anthony precourt it was a big relief too and he talked about that like in his comments of you know kind of kind of the dude's Dude's had an interesting, you know, past year, year plus with all all the drama, you know, going on around, you know, bringing uh, Austin FC uh, into the world. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it was good to just see a, a friendly face on the rope line. <laughs> I think, but um, I it caught me off guard. But you know, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for us. I'm happy for Austin. Um, it was, it, you know, it's a great, exciting day. I was like, you know, we hug here. We're friendly people in Austin. We're, we're huggers. So.
2: Well, I would say that about Texas in general. Friendly state, right? Yeah. No, but Absolutely. Uh, Josh, maybe you could clarify this. What's the connection with a Lawless and Austin FC? Obviously, uh, during the playoffs, he had the sticker on his computer. And maybe Jake and Armand, you guys could touch on this. Uh, Alexi Lawless talked. And I find it fascinating how he he's – rising up the ladder there in Austin as far as an important soccer figure?
0: Um, I think he is, um, you know, mostly because I think he was, you know, one of the few, you guys uh, fall into that group too, that was really willing to kind of tell the Austin side of the story. You know, while I get all the the anger and animosity around, you know, uh, the the clarifying the the situation at the front office level, you know, the, the soccer, the city itself and the supporters here, um, I think really weren't getting kind of that fair shake, that fair coverage. Uh, and I'm actually the one who gave Alexi that sticker at South by Southwest. Uh, and I talked to him a little bit about it uh, after the the announcement and the event. And basically what I had said to him is, you know, I really, I thank you for coming and thank you for doing what you did, putting that on your sticker. I'm sure it was, you know, just you being a rabble rouser, I said. But it meant a lot to us as supporters here that there was somebody in the mainstream you know media that was really calling to attention there are fans here there is support here uh there are people that want soccer to to happen here and you know the fact that you know he took that uh took that on and helped kind of give us equal time uh in his own way uh was, was huge and, and and a great opportunity so we gave him a new sticker though too because we're like okay we're off that brand now so if you want to, if you can replace that that would be great so <laughs>
4: <laughs> the, the, uh, i guess uh josh i want to ask you this uh my my big take on the show and steven and armand can attest oh, to boy. this is here we go
2: so stoke, <laughs> stoke in the fire
4: i really hate mls rivalries because i think they're just really kind of bs and just this forced thing that the league pushes on people like oh new york is red new york is blue uh, you know that whole stupid thing i i, I think it's incredibly <laughs> fake and i I think there maybe are, it's probably like one or two genuine, sort of genuine rivalries in MLS. However, I think now we do have a real rivalry in MLS. And I'm actually excited about it. With you and uh, uh, Columbus and, uh, and Austin, how excited are you to kind of have that rivalry, that kind of, that natural hatred, I guess, I, at least I know I, on one side of the aisle there's that hatred uh, judging by the the Twitter litmus test. I'm not sure if that's always a <laughs> a good gauge to use, but how excited are you to have like this natural born rivalry where you have these sides that don't like each other and it, it should bring out passionate football once we are uh, once Austin FC uh, launches in 2021?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard a couple of the pundits kind of make that comparison and I'm sure, you know, the media is going to try and make it a thing. Um, but by and large, we're already kind of put Columbus in a rearview mirror. Like we're just like, you know, we're looking we're looking more forward to going to Nashville and, you know, our interstate rivalry rivalry you know that I'm sure you know happen with the Houston fans um you know I I I think by 2021 I don't know how many people outside the diehards are still even going to be thinking about it or even going to care um you know they will be an Eastern Conference team will be a Western so we'll only play each other once a year and it'll alternate probably between here and there if they kind of keep to the same Format They do now between Eastern and Western. So I'm like, I'm not sure. Like I guarantee, like I'm sure the league and I'm sure, you know, the press is going to try and make a, a ton of hoopla, especially around the first lineup. But you know, by and large, we're, we're very quickly just putting Columbus in a rear view mirror. Cause they're the only reason they were ever a factor is if they were moving and now that's not happening. So we, you know, we, they go back to being one of those also ran teams,
2: Josh, but, You know, I lived in Dallas. I get it. Dallas fans are are soft. Houston fans are soft. I mean, does Austin really have a rivalry between those two or with those two?
0: interstate. I mean, it's certainly an opportunity where you're going to see a lot more, you know, away visiting fans. I mean, people forget how big Texas is. I mean, even, you know, for Houston or Dallas, it's still a three plus hour drive to get here. Uh, even if you're caravanning on a bus. So, I, you know, I think that just will create some natural where there's going to be more people from Houston in town and more people from Austin will go to, you know, Dallas and, and Houston and probably Kansas City as well. Kansas City is a good traveling team. Um, I just think like it'll create more of those things. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, it'll, it remains to be seen. Like it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe a big rivalry does stick, but I think it's going to be really hard to explain to an average soccer fan why. Uh, Austin, Texas playing Columbus, Ohio is a big deal. I, I, no, I mean, I'm being honest. Yeah. Outside of the Twitter <laughs> soccer bubble, like most fans that we have yet to do that are going to be recruited or are casuals or, or not, you know, don't spend all their time on Reddit, you know, are really going to be like, why do we care that we're playing Columbus this week? <laughs> like, I don't get it.
4: Yeah, that's why I kind of paraphrase. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure if Twitter was a, was was a good litmus test to determine if there's real – hatred on on both sides of the aisle there i don't know i i guess i just kind of looked at it and thought this might be an actual like legit rivalry where you just have maybe you know people on both sides that are there's a little bit of disdain for one another just because of how the last year went with you know save the crew and you guys that that whole thing so i I guess just looking and go natural connection maybe this is like this this might be actually like a fun rivalry where you know the one time they play it might feel like it's a a big game and a big deal to the to the fans instead of
0: maybe like the first Maybe like Yeah, the the first, first I, I agree so. with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first one will be just notable because, you know, it'll be bubbled up and people will be trying to explain it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think soccer Twitter is a really good litmus <laughs> test for, like, any kind of mainstream. I mean, although judging by current soccer t- Twitter, like Columbus is still having a really hard time letting it go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think Austin's mostly just like, we got a team, we're partying. Oh, look, there's still these guys trying to get into our threads um you know but otherwise i think we we by and large stopped caring
5: steven let me ask you this yeah uh, because the more i've been reading the more i feel like the people who are against austin haven't really been to austin in terms of austin as a mls uh market um i've been re- i've been reading like some things and it's like have you actually you know because Stephen, I the, like the more I've been thinking about it, I mean, the more I've visited Austin, I mean, I, visited, I was in Austin. I forgot when May a couple months ago. Um, and I think it's like a, almost a natural fit for MLS to be there. I don't know about you, Steven. like yeah. do you do you think so? I think just everything around it, it's the emerging city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and a lot of people are starting to move there as well for their jobs, which you kind of create like an Atlanta effect with some transplants. Who needs something to get behind? What what, what those Atlanta transplants get behind? They got behind Atlanta United. Uh, I'm confused why everyone's really skeptical that Austin can't be the same way.
2: Well, Josh, well, I think you, you can answer here in a moment about the specifics. But I think just in general, Austin fits the profile. And MLS has been linked with the city of Austin for a while. This is not something that has come up. Uh, just in the last two years pre-court saying oh let's just move to Austin no there's a specific reason why he saw Austin as a fit Um now Josh I mean you can get into the specifics in what it means and I also want to correct something I think some of the media says is like you know Austin is the first professional franchise no Austin have the bold now uh there and established before MLS Austin so There'll be two soccer teams competing for the heart of Austin. I think that's that's going to be an interesting development as uh, we proceed. And the Bold starting before uh, the MLS team. How's that going to kind of divide the city? I
5: mean, I mean, Stephen. I don't, know, I don't know if you heard, but the Bold were trying to like uh, not like trying to disrupt Austin FC from you know being a thing. So. Uh, again, Josh can speak for us better, but I know some Austin FC fans are pissed uh, at the Bold for trying to undermine uh, everything that's going on there. So, I mean, that might affect their effect, uh, support as well. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So I think one, I think the, yeah, there were a couple of the stars and stripes had an article and a couple others were like, you know, embrace the villain role of Austin. And anybody who's been to Austin, Austin is not a city. Anybody like loves to hate, like that's just not going to happen. It's, you know, it's, and I even tweeted something to effect. I mean, good luck trying to like make, you know, create this manual. And it's funny for how many guys in soccer media, like hate manufactured rivalries and things like that. The fact they're trying to create manufactured villainy, out of like a city people love to come to. I mean, I get that people hate certain cities. Like people hate going to Chicago or people hate going to Paris. Um, but Austin is just not one of those cities outside of people who live in San Antonio where people just go, Oh, I hate going to Austin, or I had a bad time in Austin, or I never want to go to Austin. It just, it just doesn't happen. Every fan we talked to in other cities over the past, you know, few years are like, Oh God, I hope you guys really get in the league. Cause I really want to come there for an away game. Like it, it creates yet another excuse, like, um, ACL fest or South by Southwest, you know, for a lot of people to come into Austin. So, yeah. You know, I, I, it's interesting that they're they're trying to make it stick. I don't think it's going to because Austin is just not one of those cities in your mind's eye where people, like, love to hate it. Um, you know, and we're welcoming here. Part of our supporter culture is, like, outside of the 90 minutes of the match, we want to make sure you've got great places to stay. You may want to make sure you hit the right barbecue joints. We will go out and have beers with, you know, visiting supporters. I think it's going to be really hard to, like, you know, create this Dudley Do-Right, you know, versus, you know, some dastardly villain uh, mustache twirling thing. Although we do have a lot of those twirling mustaches here. We have hipsters, um, you know, and, and get that to stick. Um, so it'll, it'll be, see, you know, it'll be interesting, to see, especially in two years when a lot of this is kind of subsided of, of whether any of that's, um, still going to click, um, on the, on the bold thing, um, you know, first professional, like with an asterisk, like is USL really pro? I, you know, I don't know. um, but uh, you know that's, there's a lot of in the soccer culture or the soccer fan base here a lot of apathy or outright anger with what that organization's trying to do. First of all, they've had zero supporter outreach um they've done no marketing or engagement um They've uh, they bankrolled all these petition drives trying to stop the MLS stadium, so that's further angered them. Plus, you have an owner who essentially sat on a dead franchise for three years and kept it on ice. Uh, he could have, you know, uh, Bobby Epstein could have had a team on the field, you know, in 2016, 17, and 18 uh, out at Coda, but did not uh, do that. So, like, all of a sudden, for him knowing that the MLS uh, thing was finally going to light up. Um, All of a sudden say, okay, I'm going to put the franchise back on the field. Well, the only reason he did that, because he was about to lose the rights to that franchise. And it's a lot more expensive to acquire a franchise from USL now than the one they have, because theirs goes back to the Aztecs days. Um, So it was essentially use it or lose it. So he had to put the team up, not knowing whether or not um, MLS was going to happen. And now it's actively trying to fund it preventing, uh, preventing it, which is a lost cause. I mean, it's all, it's done. It's a done deal. I mean, Don Garber does not show up unless all the I's are dotted uh, and T's are crossed. Um, so now all effectively he's done is just angered the diehards, the influencers who might've, you know, encouraged. We would have all gone out. We've got two years there's been nothing better to go out and, you know, support another local team, but um, they've done very little to earn any of that respect or any of that attendance. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, we've had a running gag. We've gotten to know the guys out at El Paso's a new franchise and some of their supporters know some of our supporters, you know, we might go out to a bowl game and just sit in the other supporters section and do our cheers there. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I think it's, it's really unfortunate that somebody who has the means to have uh, helped grow the soccer community is using those powers to try and prevent soccer from growing. And ultimately it's not even about soccer. Uh, They have a concert venue out at circuit of the Americas uh, that is going to be, you know, basically supplanted by a a, a 20,000 seat venue that's here in town with box seats. You know, if you're a big act and you're coming to Austin, do you want to play in a 20,000 seat venue that's in Austin near our, all our arts and uh, shops things like that, that has the expensive box seats you can sell, or do you want to go out to Elroy, Texas, which is out past the airport, about a half hour out of, outside of town, where you're going to have to sell $14 lawn seats because that's about, you know, half of the, the ticketing availability. And, you know, I get, I get why as a business they're not crazy about a stadium in town, but, you know, as a guy who's claiming to love soccer, he's really not doing a whole lot to uh, endear himself to the soccer populace of Austin, Texas.
2: Now, let me let me ask everybody this. Uh, and, and, Jake, I actually want to throw this up to you because pre-court uh, Austin FC chairman and uh, CEO told the American statesman, we need to do this right. You have one chance at a first impression. You've got to build a business the right way. For us to launch into our new state-of-the-art world-class soccer facility and have the training facility open as well for our players and coaches is really – the sort smart way to do it. Um, I, I I based on these comments, I get the feeling that Precord's gonna spend the money and he's gonna assemble a squad to try to compete right off the bat. And basically saying is, look, I, I think this is kind of a sly. I say at Minnesota United FC trying to do the doing the the soft launch where it wasn't really something to make big splashes. I think he sees Atlanta as a model to go forward. Like, look, they really took over the city and, and, and it seems to now really have built a fantastic foundation to move forward. Now, Jake, how does that make you feel? As somebody who saw a soft launch and you hear an owner who has been criticized by the crew fans but now seems to really engage Austin in a different fashion. Uh, okay, I'm
4: going to give you two, two answers to your question. First, being you mean to tell me that a soft launch into trying to sign a goalkeeper accused of domestic violence is is not a good way to go about business? I, I, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like, I I genuinely believe like I, you can't tell me and look at the landscape of MLS and, and go, yeah, the soft launch that's like that's a great way to go into it. Let's just let's just wait for the stadium to open and then we'll you know. We'll just kind of ride out that honeymoon period and then we'll spend money and hopefully that people will just stick around for it after we've been bad, you know, for two years or three years or whatever it may be. I think he will spend the money. Maybe not like I don't want to say, you know, they're going to be like Atlanta where, you know, they're bringing in you know, young up and coming right. players from Argentina and, you know, Colombia or, you know, we're at Paraguay wherever. But I, I do think there's uh, I do think that, you know, that. Yeah, I think as an expansion franchise or whatever Austin is at this point, I don't. I let you think Columbus is the expansion franchise, I guess. Um, but as you know, as a new franchise, <clears throat> you should go out and spend and, and and get people excited to see what what uh, what your new product is. I get why. I mean, let's let's be let's just call a spade a spade. Anthony Precourt, and uh, you. I mean, you can say whatever you want. It's pretty clear and obvious what he didn't want to be in columbus okay i, I don't think you he, you can be biased or you can be subjective in that matter you everyone knows he didn't want to be in in columbus he wanted to be in austin so i think now that he's in austin he's going to put his best foot forward and make sure that there is a a great product for people like josh to to go you know see week in and week out
2: yeah cuz he wants to hug me every week so, That's you know, right, he, he
0: loves
2: so you. Happy. He so, loves yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah, he was I one mean, bit of Austin.
0: I think there are many things to complain about about uh, MLS being a single-entity structure, but I think one of the things you can't is they do have the advantage of this tribal knowledge where they, they are learning from previous rollouts and trying to apply that to when they go to the next markets. So if you look at LAFC, which had like a three-and-a-half year lead time, and then Atlanta, which had like a two-and-a-half, year lead time, I mean, they kind of, they see what things are hitting and what things are missing and they, they see kind of having this, this ramp up time as being highly advantageous to making sure that they deploy in the market the right way. I mean, I know these guys were all ready to feel the team down here in 2019. If they were moving a squad, that was always kind of like the, it's not ideal, but if, you know, they, they can't continue to play in Ohio, then we're going to bring them down here and we're going to figure it out and make it work. So I think, you know, a lot, everybody, you know, I've talked to, nobody's mad that we're waiting two more years. Like, you know, uh, some people think like, well, nah, 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 we kept their team and now you guys got to wait. And I'm like, that's not a bad thing. That's, we want to ensure we get this right. We're looking at the long-term view here. We don't want a half-assed rollout. We don't want a rushed thing. We don't want to, like, you know, go out to the Dell Diamond, which is way up in Round Rock, trying to build a huge fan base when, you know, a lot of the fans, it's, it's a haul to get up there. Um, you know, from where I'm at, it's like a good 40, 45 Uh, minutes. And it's, you know, it's it's way out where you don't want a stadium. I mean, it does well for baseball and and the baseball fans out there, but it's also, it's another baseball field. You know, we see how well that works with New York city FC trying to put a pitch, you know, across a baseball diamond. Um, So nobody here is complaining about that two year wait. I think that two years gives them a lot of time to make sure they're doing the right connections within the community, that they're building up the right, uh, you know, the right staff, but, I mean, they're also not sitting around either. Like, they're already deploying the academy. Um, they're already, you know, we've already got, a, like, a front office of close to 20 of the 100 people that they're going to need. Um, they've been engaging UT. Um, you know, so n- nobody's sitting around. But, you know, it's 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 25 months sounds like a long time until you realize all the things you actually have to get done. Isn't that, like, the standard
5: now, I guess, in MLS was, I think, I mean, outside FC Cincinnati, but I think even FC Cincinnati Um, was kind of just like, all right, we're ready to go now. We'll go now. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, what, you have Nashville, Miami. I think those two teams, what, they were announced two years ago, like a year ago. They've had plenty of time to, uh, I guess, cultivate a culture and then build something, you know. build. I I mean, we're seeing Miami build its actual technical or front office staff, uh, you know, for players such as, you know, Kurt Schmidt, I think, from... Uh, the galaxy. I think the Orlando City GM is now being hired as some player personnel guy over there. I think giving these expansion times, more expansion teams, more time is just is, is only going to help MLS. Um, I think the, we're seeing it with LAFC; they had plenty of time to you know get going, and they did everything right except lose to RSL in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> uh, and I mean, it'd be interesting to see Cincinnati because Cincinnati kind of had a really short transition period from, all right, your USL. I mean, hopefully they prepared for it and said, all right, we're gonna be an MLS team soon. Blah blah blah, blah. Let's prepare for it infrastructure wise. We'll be good, but they kind of a short turnaround if you think about it. They what they were announced like an MLS team like what like, I don't know like they did six, the Minnesota eight, seven, yeah
4: they did the Minnesota United thing where they were the, announced. In the summer then six months later they're already fielding. They're the team already in the league.
5: Exactly, exactly. So it's it's a lot tougher for these teams. And I wonder for some for some of these squads if, if being, you know, like a team like Atlanta compared to a team like FCC or, or Minnesota, it's it, it's a, it's more of an advantage for I mean, I guess it obviously is more of an advantage for these teams to, you know, have that extra lag time, uh, to make sure everything is right, and for Austin F C to actually be in their stadium, I think it's gonna be huge. I think that's going to be oh, one absolutely. of the biggest things. That's huge. I mean, compared – I think that has to be one of the only MLS teams to do that, right? Because Atlanta started in um, the Georgia Tech's field. I can't remember the name. Bobby, Bobby Dodd. Dodd. Bobby, they oh, started in Bobby Dodd. Minnesota obviously started at TCF. FCC is going to be starting at Nippert. Uh, inner Miami apparently is starting. LAFC is the one that opened up with uh... – Yeah,
0: LAFC. Yeah,
5: I guess. Yeah, LAFC. And we saw LAFC worked out. So I mean, those are. I think Austin FC set set up really nicely for uh, the future in terms of starting off starting off your own stadium. I think is one of the biggest things out there.
0: Well, word, word has it we have the same architect that did Bank of uh, California Stadium.
2: Oh,
5: that'll
2: uh, be I, that'll be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I,
5: I mean, those, those those renders for that stadium look really nice. I'll say it right now. Yeah, we're we're really happy
0: with the design. I mean, you know, especially you're going to have the heat things to design around. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk around airflow um you know we've we've gotten uh we've gotten to provide some input about things we want to see in the, the supporters section and and that's going to continue i'm really excited about some of the surprises and bells and whistles i think we're going to have baked into the our safe standing section um so you know it's going to be you know there's, and there's going to be plenty to talk about over these two years too it's not going to be like all right well we'll see you guys in two years i mean you know there's going to be like a flurry of you know periodic announcements whether it's you know, the groundbreaking to starting to hire, bringing the technical staff in it, you know, whether that's a year or so, um, you know, there's there's going to be you know, no shortage of activities and updates and uh, things keeping us occupied until we get to our first kick in, you know, March of, of
2: 2021. Uh, no no doubt. And, uh, Josh, last question here. Do you know any of the bells and whistles that are going to be in the stadium that you could tell us?
0: Um, no. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, one of the, one of the criterias too was about lead certification, Austin, uh, since the building will technically be owned by the city of Austin and leased back to the club, um, and has to comply with a lot of the city things. And when you build, um, when you build structures here in Austin, um, there's a lot of attention paid to green amenities. So,
3: um, mm.
0: it, I don't know, you can see it in the renderings. There's like going to be rainwater retention, ca- uh, canisters, um, you know, to try and do like, you know, there's a, there's an, a, a hope to kind of have a zero, what's it call zero waste, zero emissions where, you know, kind of everything offsets itself. Um, and we, you know, we'll see how close we get with that. But, you know, I know that they've putting on an enormous amount of time and like making sure how the air moves out there. We went out to do a, an impromptu Facebook live on uh, new year's day out at McCallum, we took lawn chairs and hop, you know, we kind of went in there, uh, and set up in the dirt uh, you could, the air moves around there. It's like, I don't know what it is about just the surrounding geography. Um, but like the crosswind and I don't know if it's because of the train tracks are there or the, you know, it's warehouses on one side, but then you got taller buildings, air moves around. Um, and they're really, you got to concentrate on that. Cause even if you're starting games at like eight o'clock at night, in the middle of August, it's still 90 degrees out. I mean, the sun's not beating on you Um I know the canopies are a hundred percent coverage over the seats. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's going to be a band area out front. I mean, none of this stuff is, like, top secret, but I guess if you're not in Austin, you might not be paying as close attention to some of the details that they put into it. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's got design aesthetics that look really Austinish. You don't look at it and it look like... I mean, the, the stadium in Minneapolis looks fantastic, but it definitely looks like an alien spaceship just landed in the middle of a Minnesota field, right, in some ways. <laughs> like, you know, this really will... I think, you know, you look at it and you kind of go, yeah, I'm in Austin. This is totally what a stadium should look like here. Um, and I think that just shows the, the attention to detail uh, that the, the front office is really having to integrate into uh, Austin life. Being next to the rail line is, is another thing, you know, that, that how transportation and how people will get here. Uh, the fact that the stadium site is about two miles north of the actual population center of Austin. So basically if you take all the population, you graph it out and say, okay, well, where's the middle of all these dots? The stadium itself is only about two miles north of that. Downtown is geographically like south, but that's not where all the people are. We actually have more people that live up north toward Round Rock and Cedar Park um, that kind of offset that. So it's in a really good spot. You got a couple of major highways cutting through there. Um, You know, I think it's a lot of the unsexy details, um, but it shows that there's been a lot of attention you know, paid to uh, to what's going to go in in the stadium, um, and we're we're pretty excited for some of the things I think us as a supporters group are going to be able to do uh, with the new facility, and and being able to have some input into some of the ideas we have as supporters of uh, the kind of the kind of uh, celebrations and other things we're interested in doing.
2: Awesome, some real exciting stuff there in Austin. Now, uh, Josh, tell listeners where we can find you on the Twitter machine, where we can find any other things you'd like to plug.
0: Yes, uh, you know, everybody's welcome. We're getting inquiries from South America. A guy from Germany wrote wants us to send him a bunch of Austin Anthem swag. Um, But you can find us at austinanthem.org. It's free to sign up for a newsletter if you want to stay tuned to what's going on in the adventures in Austin. Uh, We're also on all the socials. You can find us at Austin Anthem. Uh, and we're also a fast-growing uh, Reddit community at r austinfc FC. Uh, growing up the charts, I think we just passed Montreal uh, with number of subs. But um, if you'd like to rage type in more than 280 characters, then you can go to Reddit. Um, so, But uh, you, everybody can follow us there. We're, we're super excited to
2: uh,
0: be official in MLS and uh, looking forward to, to 2021 and all the adventure in between.
2: Oh, absolutely. Now, listeners, follow us on the Twitter machine at Pod. Give us your response to any of the Austin awesome stuff we talked about at Jake Wintrova, at Armand at Stephen And come back tomorrow, we talk about soccer streaming paywalls and what it means for the growth of soccer here in the United States. Until next time.
4: everyone my name is Jake Watroba and welcome to Uncle Sams soccer podcast. if you haven't already please make sure to check out segments one and two. in segment one we talked to Peter Coates down in Argentina to discuss the potential loan of Agustin Rossi to Minnesota United FC as well as discuss some potential Argentine players moving to MLS. In segment two we talked to Josh Babetski and discuss all things Austin FC. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you leave us a review. Now, let's get to today's episode. Fellas. Yes? How you guys doing?
2: Good. What's going on? It's a big, big night here in... the Patriots land, but that by the time this recording goes out, nobody's going to care. People know the result. Yeah, was... yeah. Of course, I'm nervous. They're on the road. It's the Chiefs.
5: I mean, look, my, my Cowboys got limited, so I kind of hate football right now. I don't know. I don't know about I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited because my Revs shirts coming in, in a couple days. So you know me, bandwagon Revs fan. Hey, you're gonna turn into a, a craft fanboy. <laughs> no of course not jesus christ no not about Come that crack on,
2: mac and cheese no uh, I'm, I'm, uh, good. Huh.
5: I'm good i'm good, good? i'm good i'm good i'm good yeah i'm good i'm good uh, i'm more into paywalls to be honest with you paywalls that's
4: a great segue Armand. that's a great segue <laughs> let's talk paywalls let's talk <laughs> let's talk web streaming services and paywalls if you haven't already oh gosh this must have been earlier uh this past week our guy Grant Wall at SI.com posted a video, a, a uh, what, an emotional rant. Is that what was that what we're calling it? No, no. an unemotional
2: rant. Unemotional
4: <laughs> un- 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 rant. Okay, an unemotional rant
2: with very good points.
4: Very good points. Uh, basically, uh, and, and a little bit of hypocrisy, I guess, sprinkled in there as well.
2: To his uh, credit, though, talking... that's fair. That's fair, though, that he he, he post he said that. I mean. Credit where credit's due. I mean, at least he was being fair there.
4: Sure, sure. Uh, well, in the in the <clears throat> the video, he, he he talks about how paywalls are they, they potentially could be holding back U.S. soccer uh, or viewership of U.S. soccer. Uh, uh, Stephen,
1: why don't you roll the tape? The sport of professional soccer has grown immensely in the United States in recent years, but it's not even close to being fully established here at the beginning of 2019. And that's why I'm imploring American broadcast outlets, leagues, and teams, stop putting live soccer rights behind additional paywalls. First came the NBC Sports Gold paywall, which put exclusive Premier League games behind a new paywall. Then in 2018, Turner & Bleacher Report decided to put UEFA Champions League games behind their own paywall, BR Live. The result is that any, say, Arsenal fan that wants to see every Gunners League game would have to pay an additional fee to watch their team on NBC Sports Gold. And any fan who wanted to see Liverpool's last two huge Champions League games in English would have had to pay an additional fee to get behind the Turner Bleacher Report paywall. Thank God for Univision, which broadcast both those Liverpool games in Spanish so that you didn't have to pay Turner and Bleacher Report extra. Just this week, we learned DC United, which is just starting to create some local buzz after a decade of anonymity, will be putting its local broadcast behind a new paywall. The point is that all these extra paywalls are harming the growth of a sport that isn't fully mature yet in the United States, and that's truly unfortunate. I'm not a huge fan either of paying $5 a month for ESPN+. But at least with that, you get a lot of soccer, including the Italian League, MLS Out-of-Market Games, the English Championship, and their excellent Daily Soccer Studio Highlight Show. And yes, I am fully aware of the hypocrisy of saying this is on SITV, a channel that is, wait for it, behind a paywall. But we aren't putting up a new paywall for live soccer rights, and at least this clip will go out on social media channels publicly for free. If you want to see soccer continue growing here, these extra paywalls for live rights need to be reconsidered, if not by the broadcasters, then by the leagues that sell those video rights and want to get bigger in the States.
4: All right, so there you have it. There's Grant Wall's take on paywalls. Let's get your guys' reaction. What are your initial thoughts? Question,
2: question, Yes. What streaming services do y'all pay for regarding soccer?
4: Me personally, I only pay for ESPN FC. Or not ESPN FC. ESPN (laughs) ESPN FC, wow. (laughs) ESPN Plus. have some
2: great content there. What am I missing? You're paying for that stuff.
4: I love uh, Alejandro Moreno and uh, Shaka (laughs) Hislop.
2: I like Craig Dolly the most.
4: Yeah, ESPN – I almost said it again. ESPN Plus is the only streaming service I pay for. I do not pay for NBC Sports Gold or whatever it's called, uh, Fox – Soccer match pass, I, I pa, pass whatever it's called. Um, the DC United, I guess, <laughs> paywall or streaming service that's coming out. I feel like there's one other one I'm missing. Yeah, you're missing the Champions League one. Oh, thank you. The, the Turner Sports one, yes. I Bleacher no, Report. That, like the Champions League, the Bleacher Report one. That that one is essentially dead to me. The Champions League's dead to me. I will not. I I, I don't care to watch uh, Barcelona destroy gank or whoever the hell it is that they're playing in a pointless (laughs) uh pointless group group match game you know it's like uh barcelona's locked up the group but let's let's watch them play lazio isn't that that's gonna be fun right like
2: yeah but jake i i don't i think grant wall's premise here is that hey you didn't ask me about my espn plus man i kind of hate y'all okay we know that you have espn plus you know yeah, why? You that, know why? Do you know why? Why? Because you talked because I about. Watch the, a lot of MLS. No, you watch a lot of Indian Super League.
5: No, I I actually just watched UFC for the first time against PM Plus, and honestly, top five it was honestly like I, I can't remember worthwhile, but that's just the point. Like, I, don't know, I thought ESPN
2: Plus is great. I'm also kind of biased, I because I watched a lot. Of not of talking Plus. about UFC. I was talking about the Indi- Indian Super League.
5: Dude, I don't watch Indian Super League. Steven, how much do you like pay- uh, paywalls?
2: Uh, paywalls suck, but there there is a larger point that, I mean, you could – we're not advocating this, but you could potentially watch the game illegally. Like that, that has to be a detriment to these paywalls. Like does NBC Sports realize that their paywalls don't really do anything because they're still going to broadcast the big games – like I don't know if it harms U.S. soccer. I think the harming comes if you put MLS behind a paywall. That's where you're gonna harm it. But if you're putting freaking Burnley and Bournemouth and Fulham and Cardiff City and whoever else gets promoted next season and so on behind a paywall consistently, is apart from the Americans that are wh- whoever whatever American is on that team, if there is, it's not gonna harm. The, the potential growth. What I do think harms a little bit is putting um, putting MLS behind the paywalls. So we'll see what the impact is with DC United.
5: I I think it does impact MLS. I agree because I think it's a lot harder to find a stream for MLS. And actually, I can confirm this because when I was uh, before I had ESPN Plus, uh, I was on the hunt for some streams. I couldn't find any. It, I think it's a lot more difficult because, you know, the streamers, they kind of just don't need to, you know, try, like, why why do an MLS stream, go through the hassle when, you know, no one's watching it, like, no one cares. I think MLS, I think the deal with ESPN Plus was huge because, you know, it's only 5 bucks a month. It's not that much. But for the local side, like DC United, I'm actually really interested by how they're going to do because while it might be a very big lucrative deal, at the same time, you're kind of cutting out a lot of population that you're just gaining back to. Let's not forget, DC United was kind of in like irrelevancy for a little bit before before Wayne Rooney, before the stadium. So they were kind of getting back into like you know, the popular DC market. And now, it's, uh, can they watch their games?
2: I don't like know, that's, Jake.
5: That's a huge question
4: right there. Jake,
2: does this harm, harm American soccer putting some of the Champions League games behind paywalls?
4: That's yes and no, I... I mean, here here's the thing. We all know how to find games illegally. We all we we all know where to go. I'm not going to say the site because, you know, I don't want to you know, spoil it for other people. You know, I mean, I'm sure everyone probably knows which uh, which public forum you go on to stream your soccer matches or stream your NBA games or NFL games or uh, anything like that it, it rhymes with edit. Um, <laughs> But I, on a DC United point, that, like that's going to kill them. I understand that it's edgy and new, and that's what a lot of people do. But you are cutting out a huge. Let's just say you have. Let's just say that I don't want to like be ageist or whatever, but I, I have a feeling that people 50-plus 50, 50 and older, they're not going to stream games. They don't care to do that. They still they still want to watch it on cable or on their TV, and they're not going to go in sit on their laptop with their ipod or uh, ipad and and stream these games I, i just think it's bad i think you as a team you want to be exposing your product to as many people as possible and i think putting it behind a paywall like dc united is is a terrible idea the champions league is one thing we all know who real madrid and barcelona and bayern munich and manchester united are but I mean, for little old DC United, I think they need as much much exposure as they can get.
2: Well, that's the thing. Global football, you put that behind a paywall. I, I'm sorry, Grant Wall. I don't think you affect U.S. soccer. I think you affect it when you put DC United. And ESPN, th- that's the thing. This is a weird contradiction in of itself. It's that DC United is going to be behind a paywall. But because MLS has this paywall where you have accessibility to all these games, then it's it's a good thing. like do you see how that paywall there is good for MLS because it allows for more exposure? So for five bucks it's it's I think ESPN plus is a good deal because you have such a variety of soccer that you can get into. So
4: it, let me let me cut you off there. Can I, can one of you confirm to me or confirm for me if all USL matches were free on YouTube? Two years prior, or was it just a select few? And maybe a listener can. I think it was us. all. I think it was all. So can't you? Isn't there also an argument to be made that putting USL on ESPN Plus could harm uh, the growth of USL? No. Why? Is I, that? I, I, you're I, I, you're I, only exposing it to people who are willing to pay five bucks right, a right, month for ESPN right, Plus, right, whereas YouTube is free for everybody. Unless, right. unless there was a, unless you had to pay for usl matches i'm not a usl guy so i never watched usl
5: right right but right. i know exactly i know exactly what you're saying i think i mentioned this when i announced f- announcement that espn plus was first grabbing usl i think being on the same platform as these guys is a lot is more beneficial than like being free in terms of hey look i'm on youtube because youtube like oh i'll go dig for it and something but like if it's on the same interface, you're more likely to click on it. You know, like I think ESPN Plus has like this live feature. You go click on it, and all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, you look through, and you're like, "Oh, there's a USL match on." Like, there's nothing really on, but the USL match, I'll click on that because you're already on a sports app. You already the audience that's gonna watch US soccer is are the ones who are gonna buy uh, ESPN Plus for five bucks a month because you're gonna watch MLS. Well,
4: and that's you mean- US soccer. Well, here's the only time I'm watching USL is if it's nap football, if it's Colorado Rapids versus MLS City or Quick, or I can Louisville City play Indy Eleven or, or something like that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I guess for me, I'm not going to watch USL over MLS unless it's like like we've notoriously said, you know, M- nap football game of the night. I don't know. It could it could very well be great for USL. I, I'm just I guess I'm. Maybe playing devil's advocate here a little bit. I just – a part of me thinks that giving or offering something for free on YouTube is still better than putting it behind a paywall and o- only offering it to those who are willing to pay well, instead this of is, offering it to everybody. This is,
2: this is what at the time USL President Tim Holt said in 2014 to sbisoccer.com about this he says quote youtube eliminates barriers that previously stood between fans and the action on the field we want fans worldwide to take notice of the high quality of play in usl pro and see the importance of the league in the north american soccer landscape youtube makes this process much easier and we're thrilled to have this relationship uh major league soccer and the story continues saying major league soccer and north american soccer league so the nasl both have uh their own forms of online streaming for fans though those come with a subscription to be specific package i.e mls live with a number of mls players expected to spend time on loan in nasl next year fans of mls clubs will now have a chance to watch those teams as well but here's the thing is why would they make the move for the free YouTube and then go to subscription base because I don't think the YouTube I think the YouTube looks kind of like second tier. Now you're I think it, it which one of you said it by promoting it next to MLS makes it look better.
5: I think so. I agree too and especially you promote the FA Cup. You promote it with um Yeah, I was trying to think of something have more high profile than the FA Cup but Indian Super Am League. Indian the Super Scottish. League. There you
4: go. The Scottish, uh, what's the Scottish one called? The Scottish. FA? No, the, I just noticed ESPN Plus this weekend had uh, whatever this, whatever Scotland's equivalent equivalent to the FA Cup is. Is it the Scottish, Scottish Cup? I don't know. Scottish Cup, whatever. Yeah, I noticed that. I didn't know that was on there.
5: Uh, I think the idea of a paywall for things such as the Champions League is dumb, and things such as local coverage is I I don't know, but I think bundles. In paywall are, are are really important, but I, the thing is with the certain there's certain paywalls where you're like why does this even exist like NBC's paywall, why does that exist? Those are not the marquee matchups. Like, like Wait, you don't you don't want coverage also of the Tour de France uh, Peloton? Exactly, like, it's, like, those <laughs> right. are marquee games. Like there there's like it's I I hate to keep using Burnley because they're nice people I think or something like that. <laughs> like, like Leicester and, like, Fulham. Like, okay, maybe it's cool for a select few, but not for the majority of people. You don't watch the big games. uh, The Bleacher Report Live, it's honestly, I'm going to keep it real with you, I have not watched, a, like, Jake, I have not watched a single game of Champions League because sometimes it's inaccessible. It's, it's just very hard for me to find, sometimes hard for me to find a stream there. And you know what? Like, to people, I don't, I don't know a single person. I have not met one person. And I am a young millennial in college. I'm a target audience that has Blue Chip Report Live. I've not met one person.
2: I haven't one either. I wonder person. who actually has that.
5: I wonder what their numbers are. I'd love to see it. I don't even know. Is it hurting the game? You know what? I, uh, I've, uh, before, I said yes. Honestly, I don't think so.
2: I, I because think it you has can find a...
5: other ways around
2: it. Well, that's the thing. And remember, it's capitalism. No. Okay. It's capitalism, yeah. but remember that those games that people want to watch, they're not neutrals. TNT, Turner, Fox, on FS1, or ESPN, or NBC Sports, B-Win Sports, they're still going to broadcast their big games, and people, if they have the subscription to those cable channels, are still going to be able to watch it. It's not like they're running away. They're just putting... They're still producing content. They're just putting a certain amount of content behind a paywall because they need to make money. So it is what it is. Follow us on Twitter, on SamSoccerPod, at JakeWetroba, at ArmandKafai. Yeah, go Pats. Until next time.
1: The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say, we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving.